Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. Most of us are looking to optimize our health with the latest biohack, the latest supplements, the latest gadgets, while very few of us might want to go the old school route and explore the real old school biohacks which were done a thousand years ago just to optimize health. Why? Because old might be more interesting than the new. And you would be surprised to know that our ancestors did not have AI algorithms and all the biofeedback, but engaged in something which is arguably more superior and to unpack this ancient wisdom on the podcast today, I have a person who's probably had the same question, which has led him to a lifelong quest of traveling all over the world, learning from the greatest masters, living alive and truly becoming a master in himself. He's trained thousands of people in an art called Qi Gong, which is quite an integrated holistic system and has been passed down for thousands of years by many monks and Taoist masters. And it's really cool because this system focuses on healing, transformation, and maximizing the human potential, which is everything that we're looking for on this podcast. So please welcome Tevia Bank to the show. Welcome Thank on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I, it was a pleasure to have you and I'm super excited to talk to you because like I mentioned, we're always looking into something that has already been around and you've helped develop a called White Tiger Qigong and I'm, and I'm super stoked and I'm super excited because I personally credit all of my fitness and honestly everywhere I am today to martial arts back as one day I was walking the streets of Dubai and I saw a Shaolin Kung Fu studio and I enrolled for a couple of years and um, along with me many people wanted to at this time like wanted to learn martial arts either to be stronger this is that how your story started yeah so I was born with chronic illness and my brother was born with rickets my sister was born with pneumonia uh, my family we had uh, I had family members died of early death of a respiratory disease, uh, colon cancer in my family, heart disease, you name it, we had it. And so, uh, my parents didn't want me to be, you know, on medication my whole life in hospitals with doctors and they were looking for an alternative path. And Qigong was one of those alternative paths that they found uh, of natural healing, uh, using the body's own innate abilities to heal itself through the right practice. That's how I came into Qigong. So when I was seven years old, my parents introduced me to Qigong. Okay. And where did your parents hear about Qigong? Was Because honestly, you know, we have all these famous arts in the world like karate, kung fu, taekwondo, but very... Rarely do I see people talk about Qigong. So were they always a fan? Did they have any back end history with any sort of these ancient arts? Uh, uh, I had a, I came from a family that came was into very alternative health practices. Like back then they ate organic food, which wasn't really 
widely done. Uh, now it is. Um, now it's trendy, but back then it wasn't. Um, they also, my mother did yoga, my father did yoga, and my mother and my father did qigong and meditation. My also mother did meditation. So they got me into qigong. So they already knew qigong. They were already doing it. They were already looking for these alternative health practices. And, and that's how, that's why they introduced me to a master when I was a child. So every day after school, I would go and train with uh, the master. Okay. It all makes sense now. And you have been in your journey. You've traveled all around China, learned from the greatest Qigong masters out there. You've written three books yourself, but let's, let's start with the most basic thing. What is Qigong? And like I mentioned, you know, we have so many different arts. How is it different from karate, kung fu, wrestling, or BJJ? Is it a sort of a martial art or is it something beyond just? Yeah, so, so that's a great question. So there are five main branches of Qigong and martial Qigong is just one of those five main branches. So you have Buddhist Qigong, you have Taoist Qigong, you have Confucianist Qigong, you have martial Qigong, and you have medical Qigong. Okay. So uh, martial Qigong, as you were talking about, uh, is used primarily in martial arts for self-defense, protection, and increasing striking power. Medical Qigong uh, is, is, was developed in later years, and that is um, focused on healing and based on Chinese medicine, modern Chinese medicine. So you have Taoist Qigong, which is what I practice, which predates the Cultural Revolution. So it's, it's ancient Qigong. It, it dates back thousands of years. And within that, you have sub-branches of uh, martial and medical. So you have Taoist martial Qigong, which would be used in self-defense. But the difference between that, say, and modern martial qigong is that it focuses on also healing the body as well as self-defense now medical qigong within the taoist system is focused on the basis of classical chinese medicine primarily and now there's an integration with some modern chinese medicine but classical chinese medicine which deals a lot with the spirit being intrinsically connected to the physical body. That's the premise of it. And so if you have, say, for example, let's put that into a, a tangible example. Let's say you are going through severe anxiety, okay? That is disturbing your spirit. And I'm not talking about the religious sense of a spirit, but let's say your consciousness that inhabits your body. So that anxiety starts to disturb your emotional state. And that has a direct physiological effect where say your stomach starts to clench and you start to get digestive issues. So that's a tangible example of how the spirit is intrinsically connected to the physical body. There's no separation. And likewise, let's say you're in back pain, you know, you have severe back pain, which I went through as a, as a, as a young man. And you are then frustrated and you're, you're, you cannot focus because you have this debilitating back pain. And so you, this is how the body now has a direct effect on the spirit as well. 
And so the emotions are contained within the spirit. So, so this, these are two prime examples of the premise of the spirit being intrinsically connected to the physical body in Taoist Qigong. So what we want to do is work on both the physical body and the spirit at the same time. And that's what this Qigong does that I do called white tiger Qigong. Super interesting. Yeah. That, thank you for explaining that because, you know, when we're looking at any ancient art, like I, I would just, one thing that comes to mind when you were saying this is the essential practices of yoga and how in yoga as well, they refer to the three minds, like, you know, the mind, mind, the body, mind, and then the spirit mind. And they say all of these are interconnected and all of these have a effect on each other. They're not isolated. So you cannot say that, okay, I'm just going to think about something in my brain and that's not going to affect my body. Or you're not going to say that I'm not going to do something to my body, which is not going to affect my spirit. So it, it makes sense that, you know, with modern science where or mostly with the pharmaceutical revolution, we're having this reductionist approach where we're, you know, saying that, okay, all of these things are isolated and let's look at that one thing and then let's solve that one thing. But in reality, or like in the grand scheme of things, when you look at all of these traditional or ancient theories, they've always been talking about like this interconnectedness and this holistic way of uh, bringing things to life or changing emotions or changing certain states or even going to peak performance states uh, of super consciousness. So I'm super happy that you uh, brought this up. And for everyone who's listening, please take a note that, you know, you could go the normal route and just think like every you can isolate everything. But going beyond isolation and going into connectedness will probably have a better effect. And you so how is so when we look at things like i have uh you know you'd see in asia and in some parts of the us some people practicing early morning this very slow movement called tai chi and uh, that also sort of uh, blends itself in a martial art but the the word chi which means uh, correct me if i'm wrong which means life force so is this some way of manipulating or increasing or, you know, accelerating the life force that exists in us and in the universe? And are we tapping into some energy which is beyond the physical by doing these physical movements? Yeah, so, so Chi, we have to look at the classical uh, character in Chinese for chi, and it's a kernel of rice popping and gas. So it's basically uh, combustion. So you put two and two together and it creates energy. So this, putting it into a tangible uh, example, you breathe in oxygen and the body utilizes that and produces energy. And we could call that chi. You eat type of food. It gives you a certain type of energy. We could call that chi. So chi really is just energy. Okay. Now you get energy from everything around you, your environment, as well as what you put into your internal body. So if you are in a massively polluted city and you are 
not getting good energy, right? So you might feel more tired. Uh, you'll have a lower lifespan. That's proven. You won't have as much energy. Now you go into beautiful nature, you're going to have much more energy because you're getting the chi of that, of that nature and you feel, might feel more relaxed as well. Same goes with food. You put in good food into your body, you're going to get more energy. You're going to get more chi. So you have food from the, you have, sorry, you have air, energy from the air. That's called kong chi. You have energy from the food. That's called gu chi. And you have energy that is within your own internal body that is produced from all of these things. And now you have what we call electricity. Those are electrical charges that you can move through your body. And that is scientifically proven through fascia science. When you, and uh, for those who don't know what fascia is, just underneath your skin, uh, there is a spidery, gluey, fibrous web that encapsulates your organs. It wraps around your muscles. It wraps around the bone and becomes the bone itself. And so this is the glue that holds your entire body together. And when they have found when you coil and uncoil the fascia, you can generate an electrical charge that you can measure with a scientific instrument. And my master used to tell me tension to relaxation, that generates what he called chi. So I knew when I discovered about fascia science that he was literally referring to that those electrical charges in the body with when I coil and uncoil through movement. Mm -hmm. And this is probably I've I've heard about uh, the fascia science before and a very good point that you mentioned about electricity, because we know that these electrical impulses move throughout the body can do a lot of things like detoxifying us creating more energy having you know better sleep recovery and if you see the science of longevity and if you see some of the longest living people they're actively involving themselves in some kind of a stretching or you know something that would it enhance the fascia and the fascia movement now for me the only thing that i have been experimenting with fascia is some sort of a stretching routine. You could call it like a mobility routine or a, some sort of yoga stretches. And um, moving further, even some sort of a foam rolling where I use a foam roller and like rub that against some of the sore parts after, let's say, a workout. And all over the world, people are doing this after their workouts. Is this the right sort of way to, you know, enhance your fascia? Or is there some other way in Qigong that you guys use that we could all benefit from? Well, from, from a Qigong perspective, we're working on what's called the meridians, which the Taoists look at them as like the rivers that connect you to your organs and your extremities, which the organs we look at as the lakes and the oceans of the body as we're mirrors uh, of nature. And so we work on the meridians, the organs, and the bones in Qigong. Why? Because by cultivating those areas, by getting them to be at their prime, you are increasing your longevity and health. And so what we're doing is when we look at the meridians, uh, I'd like to look at the connection to the 
connective tissue lines that run throughout the body. So there was a man named Thomas Myers. He wrote a great book called Anatomy Trains. And he was dissecting cadavers and he found that there were these connective tissue lines that ran throughout the body and he started to map them out. He didn't know anything about Chinese meridians, but someone told him to go look at and compare them to the meridian maps and lo and behold, they were almost identical. And so these were those connective tissue lines that I mentioned, you could coil and uncoil and generate an electrical charge that they could measure with a scientific instrument. And so in our Qigong, white tiger Qigong, we coil and uncoil these meridian lines and that generates that electrical charge. Now, the electrical charge, which we call qi, is the catalyst for the movement of blood in Chinese medicine. And mm -hmm. so by stimulating those electrical charges, you're moving blood flow. So you're getting blood flow and circulation throughout the body. Now, when I worked in a in a Qigong clinic in China, working with cancer patients, people with difficult to treat illnesses, one of the things we found is that the pe people were ill because of lack of circulation to specific areas of the body. And when it gets, when that circulation gets cut off, you have decay and decline in health. And just think about it like this. They've proven that the brain atrophies after the age of 25, if you don't have sufficient cerebral spinal fluid flowing to the brain properly. And what happens is as we age, we harden, our fascia hardens. And so the flow starts to decrease. And so you're getting that atrophy and that decline and decay. And so what happens is in the modern lifestyle, when we're sitting at desks all day long and not doing anything to move to get flow, we're now our circulation is cut off to the vital organs of our body. And what happens is we have toxic buildup in those organs, as well as emotional buildup inside the body. And so what we do with the Qigong is we move dynamically to unwind those kinks that are developing. Imagine your body is like tangled headphone wires as you wake up in the daytime, but you untangle them by moving those meridians, stretching them out through dy these dynamic movements, coiling and uncoiling, working out those kinks. And now the electrical wires in your body can flow smoothly and fluidly to the organs, thereby giving you sufficient circulation to the organs. And now we apply that with these deep stances we have in the Qigong which then wraps that fascia around and grips into the bone and drives circulation deep into the bone marrow. And as we know from modern science that bone marrow uh, and bone density uh, have direct implications on your longevity. And so it works with this three-pronged approach to the body. And so thereby we can have these movements, which bring deep circulation of chi all the way from the skin, all the way to the core of the body into the bone marrow. Mm -hmm. Thank you for explaining that. That was a very detailed explanation. And um, yeah, I now I can completely wrap my head around it. And a lot of thoughts were going on when you were explaining this. Firstly, it's the modern lifestyle. I completely agree. We spend more than 90% of our times indoors, we're hardly in accordance with nature. We're, like you said, the chi of different places. So most of the people are getting a chi of their apartment or coffee shop or, you know, their office, which is 
poorly lit, so we're not even exposing ourselves to enough light. And light, I would also say that is a very important factor that can affect many things, including longevity, our mental performance, even the rate at which blood circulates because sunlight, natural light, I mean, um, is shown to increase nitric oxide production. It dilates blood vessels. And you don't get the same effect, let's say, when you're in a mall or, you know, when you're in a bright lit environment. So it's this detachment from our nature and arguably from the chi of what that nature provides that is getting us into being sicker and maybe more angrier and frustrated and having those complex web of emotions. The second thing that you mentioned about the cerebrospinal fluid one other thing that I normally see people in the modern lifestyle is not sleeping enough. And it is when you're sleeping at night, especially in your deep stages of sleep, where cerebral spinal fluid flushes down your brain and it sort of its job is to clear out any garbage in your brain. And if you don't do this for a very long time, then people start. And now we're in this epidemic of neurodegenerative diseases where Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, you know, it's, it's reached about 50 million people around the world, just Alzheimer's itself. And it's growing. And it's because we came from not this holistic culture where everyone was like, Oh, okay, if you sleep, you're a loser. But, it, you know, just being accordance with what how much rest our body needs because your body gives you clue but like if you overload it with stimulants and caffeine and all of these things then and and just a lot of work stress by itself because you know after 2000 i mean it's been going on forever but especially after the last recession and after the pandemic everything is more stressful even like for young students people who aren't supposed to be as stressed people are having more anxiety having more trouble they're because of that, they're not able to sleep and they're detached from their natural environment. And a really interesting thing is that, you know, we also like um, in the Indian way of healing and the Indian way of uh, looking at these problems, we have something called the nadis, which are similar to meridians. And for anyone who's listening, nadis are like similar channels that are connecting different energy spots. They're they say there are 72,000 um, nadis and, uh, you know, it's divided into the feminine side or the masculine side. And this is where most of the energies is flowing. And if you sort of block this flow of energy in going into any of these channels, then there's going to be repercussions. So uh, thank you for thank you for sharing that. And thank you for telling us that, you know, how important fascial health is and how it's sort of mistaken sitting I feel personally is like the new smoking because if you sit down just like you said like the lack of blood flow and oxygen that goes to your brain and combine that with all you know putting your head down looking at your social media accounts and getting bombarded with crazy amounts of information that your brain cannot process it's a recipe for disaster but Absolutely. so you know if you're like I Sorry, I keep going to martial arts because, you know, when I was training, uh, when I used to train with Kung Fu and um, all of these arts, they would always tell me, like, find your chi. And, you know, like at a later stage, you can practice some Qigong. So I always related to the 
martial aspect, but I know there is a medical aspect. Like you mentioned, there are so many things. And <clears throat> if I speak from like a very martial point, right? Because I'm biased. I don't have an exposure to all these other parts. So normally it would be like someone would join a martial art to be better, like, you know, enhance your self-confidence, fight the bullies, because I did it to fight the bullies. I was bullied at school. I was very obese. And <clears throat> people would do it to get like a higher rank belt or be good or good on a stage or in a movie or something. But your your sort of like approach to this whole thing is different. Like your mission is to shift, like have a shift in consciousness and promote global healing. Now, my question is, you could have gone for anything else but why did you choose these two things like shift in consciousness and promote global healing like how does that how does that resonate with you or you know what's your thoughts behind that just wanted to know why did i choose to shift global consciousness for yes. global healing okay yes. so i believe we're living in a transitional time and this is a pivotal time in human history where we have to make a decision now whether we're going to live in harmony with each other and in nature or we're going to go on the path of complete destruction of the earth around us and each other. I mean, just look at what's happening. We're on the brink of World War III. We are on the brink of environmental catastrophe that's irreversible, the scientists tell us. And so... I'm not all doom and gloom, but we have to look at the reality of our situation to know what we need to do to turn it around. And I believe we need to shift our relationship with ourselves and with each other and with, our, with the earth if we're going to uh, flourish as a race and allow the natural world to flourish as well. So th this method, I believe it, Qigong is one of the ways. There's many different things we need to do beyond just Qigong. But Qigong is the way we can change our relationship with ourselves because we can learn to love ourselves. We have suicide at the highest rate. Suicide, suicide is going up so much. We have chronic health issues are at massive all-time highs around the world. And so if we don't learn to, to even the basic care, the ability to care for ourselves and love ourselves, how can we expect to make it? So we need to shift that relationship with ourselves, shift our perception with ourselves, of ourselves. And then we need, once you do that on an individual level, that ripples out to the people around you, that influences the people around you, your friends, your family, your loved ones. And then you'll understand how to truly love your family and, and community. And also through Qigong, we connect to nature. We connect to the five elements of nature. So you connect to that nature and you start to appreciate it because you're using it for your own healing. And it's a reciprocal relationship. Once you understand how important nature is for your own healing, like look at these Japanese studies on what they call forest bathing. I mean, that's what we did for thousands of years. We just walked through forests, but so many forests are depleted. It's hard to find a forest nowadays. So now they have a whole term for it is going out into the forest is forest bathing when it's just taking a walk through, through some trees, right? So that connection to nature needs to grow and strengthen. And like you said, being out in natural sunlight, 
that's crucial for your circadian rhythm. As the circadian rhythm, there's a whole science on it as well. And how natural sunlight has a spectrum of light that no uh, light bulb or even LED can provide. And so all of these things by being exposed to nature, by connecting with nature more, we're going to understand and appreciate that and want to protect it. And I put my money where my mouth is. We're also support the Borneo Nature Foundation through all people who purchase uh, any courses through us. We make a donation to the Borneo Nature Foundation to protect the wildlife and nature in the jungles of Borneo. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's really nice. Uh, thank you for doing that. And <clears throat> it's hardly we get to see a lot of, I mean, you know, we in the Western or, you know, let me not use the term Western, but like in today's world, we're all about doing things and, you know, like going out there and accomplishing things. But hardly very few of us are looking at giving things back. And, you know, it just surprises me that, you know, we can, each of us can make such a big difference. Yet most of us are in this two-dimensional or I would even say one-dimensional reality where we think that, you know, saving a few bucks or saving, you know, 30 minutes from a week from doing something nice for someone is actually going to turn back and help us. But, you know, we see there's, I mean, there are studies from Harvard, from I think Dr. Michael Norton, um, that even giving back, like sharing and spending, either spending time, money or energy on someone else rather than yourself actually makes you super happy and anyone who's listening to this you know try this out like try to try to take some time off your day and it doesn't have to be with money it can be with you know if you could just pray for someone or like show up in the show up in someone's life who really needs help and you know do something for someone it's actually going to make you happy it's it's similar to you know when we took look at things like why people like running so much is because they a, they're moving a lot of blood, and B, they're having this thing called runner's high, which is like an emotion that comes in when you're running, and it's really nice because you get all of this endorphin rush. But science has also shown that giving to people or like having engaging in some kind of like a charitable act also increases something called as the helper's high, which is very similar to the runner's high. And you know, you activate all of these regions in the brain which are connected with like social connectedness. You release all these nice chemicals in your body, like dopamine, serotonin, which actually makes you happy and it increases your quality of life. And also it is very important, like you mentioned, that we, we sort of wake up at this point and start realizing like what have we done in the past and what can we do for the future? Because, you know, you were talking about the forest, but even the, the land where depleting topsoil is almost like 50% gone. So anyone who is listening, if you if you like 20 years ago, if you ate like an apple or a carrot right now, you need to eat 10 apples or 10 carrots, depending on which one, uh, to get the same sort of nutrition. So we're really depleting the soil. And if we carry on like this, we only have a 50 more years of topsoil left. And what would that come with? It would come with social unrest, fighting for food. I don't want to say this, but even civil wars up to an extent because, you know, we're growing massively as a population. But at the same time, our resources are so limited and we are 
depleting all of the things that mother earth is providing to us just for you know some i mean different intentions but yeah connecting with this whole nature is so fascinating and for people who are listening and if you're in dubai you, you know we don't have forests in dubai but you can get the similar kind of effect if you go to the desert or if you go to like let's say the beach because around that place that place is full of negative ions that you can absorb as well as have things like um you know negative uh, electricity from coming from the earth's plane you can get into some water and water will charge you with minerals so there are all these ways around you know connecting with nature and it doesn't have to be uh, sorry if i'm talking for the people in dubai because we don't have a lot of mountains and it's really hot so you know find your way of like connecting with nature go out there spend some time even if it's a little bit hot go out in the evening just make sure that you appreciate what nature has to give and nature is always like talking to you so if you take the time to listen you'll uh, it's good but one other thing i wanted to ask you was what's your i mean what's your opinion about um things like coffee what's the qigong philosophy of having coffee or not having coffee i never heard a qigong philosophy on having coffee or not having coffee but i have an opinion um uh that is one man's food is another man's poison so i don't believe in a one size fits all approach i mean it, coffee could be good for one person and it could be bad for another person so it's it's uh but uh, like i said i've never heard of a qigong philosophy on coffee what i do ha uh have heard by one of my masters and i do have an opinion on is that if it's used as a crutch for energy what happens is you start to deplete the adrenal glands because mm -hmm. you're depending on that caffeine boost in order to get energy and so that energy has to come from somewhere and that uh can be a sign that you're already depleted and then you're going to continue to deplete it more and you're also getting that intense boost which uh, and um basically living off that boost so that yeah so anything used in excess can be uh can be dangerous uh and deplete your life force so that's my two cents on that Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And I asked this question because for the longest period of time, I was a big fan of coffee, right? I was always having it. I mean, having two to three cups per day, let's say max, I wasn't as crazy as having like five or seven cups per day, but two cups, sometimes three on some days, that would be a norm. And I would always cycle my caffeine because I know that if I, I mean, it's difficult, but after a month of having caffeine, if you leave it, for 5 to 7 days it gives your the brain cells a chance to regenerate and especially a molecule in the brain called adenosine so basically coffee when when we look at the chemical structure of coffee it's very similar to something that makes you very sleepy it's a natural molecule in your body called adenosine and what happens is when you have coffee it's not like when you have food you literally get more energy because it's like these electrons are shuttling and they provide more energy to your body but i see coffee as just a stimulant but not something that really gives you energy because when caffeine enters your system all it does 
is to block those adenosine receptors so you don't feel sleepy. But it's not something that is literally going to fire you up. A lot of people have that stimulating effect, but it doesn't really provide you more energy. And this ties in back to what you were saying about the adrenal fatigue, because now it's borrowing energy from some other part of your body. Well, it's adrenals and, you know, you can have a host of other things like endocrine issues or hormonal issues. But for the longest period of time, I was having coffee and I didn't really care about all these other things because I saw a lot of other studies on brain health and, you know, reducing all cause mortality. So I was a fan of coffee until and unless I met a person called Jack Callis. Now, Jack Callis is an osteopath and he's a doctor. He's an short story about him is that he's traveled all around the world. He's learned from, you know, traditional Chinese medicine, from Ayurveda, different type of sciences. And he, we were talking one day and he has a product where he's, he uses electrical stimulation and he uses frequencies from all of these different, um, different systems. It's called frequency specific medicine. And he's basically has a way to regenerate some organs or tissues or, you know, changing brain states by using very low level of electricity. And he told me that, CJ, I would advise you not to drink so much of caffeine because caffeine blocks, actually it reduces the chi in your kidneys. And that was the first time I heard it. And, you know, that thing just got stuck to me. So I always was cognizant. I did not stop my coffee, but I was always cognizant about this. And until and unless I met a healer, which also um, looks at the traditional Chinese medicine. And she told me as well that coffee does reduce kidney function. And later on, I, you know, I was like, okay, you know, if everyone's saying something like this, let me try it. And then I went on to Peru uh, last couple of months to do my plant medicine ceremony called ayahuasca. And as a pre requirement for ayahuasca i had to stop things and one of the things were caffeine and you know it just got me off caffeine and now i since i'm back it's it's hard i hardly drink any coffee so yeah i would just wanted to understand like is there you know because if plant medicine from the amazon and you know some other people from like asia are talking about this is there some legitimate thing that you know people shouldn't have as much or should just limit their coffee intake. Right. Yeah. So makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying it. No, I was just saying it makes sense what you said. Um, you know, I, I really am not an expert in that area, but, uh, you know, so, but what I said is, 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 uh, what I, what my opinion on that. Got it. Yeah. Is there, now that I mentioned plant medicine, is there an area in Qigong or, you know, that whole branch of things which supports elements from the nature, like especially to alter consciousness or look at things in a deeper way? Is there something built into that system like that? <laughs> that's an interesting question it could be controversial but that i'm okay i'm I have no problem going into I'm it i'm happy to go um, in the controversial route <laughs> sometimes we need that um i uh haven't studied any of that within the taoist system but i'll tell you one thing there was a uh, monk 
in China and there's a monk in China and he, and I don't want to say who, because I don't want him to get in any trouble, but he runs a um, Qigong and uh, school in the mountains. And he will, <laughs> he's been known to run up to students and jam magic mushrooms in their mouth and run off laughing. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, so I, I don't, uh, that's, that's one I know of. Um, uh, there are experimentations going on with, um, micro dosing of psilocybin, uh, mushrooms and Qigong. Uh, I am aware of that. Um, and I do know that, uh, the Taoists were herbalists that a lot of the old ancient Taoists were herbalists and, um, they did, I'm sure, uh, experimentation with that, knowing that there is that monk that I mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. who does that, who's also an herbalist as well. And, um, uh, so that is, uh, what I can tell you. Okay. Thanks. Now tell me, how does it feel to be one of the best Qigong masters in the world? Uh, I don't know how you can define that. Um, I wouldn't, I would, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself one of the best Qigong masters in the world because I've only met, you know, a small handful of the thousands that are around. And I don't even, I don't even like to call myself a master because that's assuming I've mastered everything. Right. Um, so I, I, I can't answer that question because I don't know. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Because and, what um, I was getting to was I wanted to touch up upon a topic of ego, because every time someone thinks they're a master or you know gets a higher title, then there is some aspect of ego that sorts of comes or interferes with great achievements. Right? We've seen it in the history. We, you know, you could see it, but any person, there's some aspect of this ego that comes in. So what's the whole idea on ego or how to lower ego according to the Taoist or the Qigong philosophy? Well, one of the practices that I have is, and in, in the Taoist sect that I'm in, which is even a little more strict, it's a private Taoist sect, And that is we never try to become famous, never seek fame or selfish gain. That's like a saying, uh, a famous old Qigong saying, never seek fame or selfish gain. And so I don't try to make my name famous. I try to make white tiger known, white tiger Qigong, which is our Qigong. So I'm just a conduit through which ti white tiger Qigong can become known around the world and become a well-practiced system. So I have no interest to promote myself. Um, and I'm rel a relatively private person, but I do have an interest into making white tiger Qigong known as a practice. Um, yeah. So that's, so we, okay. we prefer to showcase our instructors and, and students Uh, whereas you'll see some Qigong schools where it's all about that master or the lead instructor of the school 
for me, it's about White Tiger. Yeah, no wonder why I couldn't find you in any of your YouTube videos. Okay, it makes sense now. Because <laughs> you guys have got a lot of them, but like you're hardly in any of them. So, okay, uh, thanks for sharing that. And so you've trained like thousands of people, right? Thousands of people all over the world, from all over the world. Tell us what are the few things you find in common in like people from all over the world? And maybe like if you can touch on a few things that you always notice that comes up and what's like i know there's no one size fits all solution but what are like some of the solutions for these common problems that people listening to this uh episode might also be facing well i mean i've been to 39 countries i've taught people from even more countries than that and I have definitely seen that underneath it all, all people are the same in terms of when we wipe away the cultural programming, wipe away religious programming, psychological programming from society. This is called releasing the three acquired minds in Taoist practice. We have to wipe all of that out of the way because when you were born, you were born with a clean slate. You didn't know what was up or what was down. You were told what it was. You were given your programmed name. That was your first bit of programming you were given. So we were programmed since birth, what to believe, what to do. So how much of our decision-making is actually based on our true own will rather than the influence of our programming? So underneath it all, we all have these physiological needs, which is like the most basic survival needs, which is food, water, enough rest, clothing, shelter, and, you know, good health and to be able to reproduce. So once, you know, all humans have those needs. So all of my students have those needs, everybody, you know, underneath, whether they block it with you know, self-destructive behavior or not, underneath it all, they all, everybody wants to be healthy and thriving. But we also have that need for safety and well-being and stability emotionally and physically. So, and financially, we all have that need that to know, you know, if you're struggling and you don't know where your next meal is going to come from, that is not feeling safe. And when we get past those needs, we start to go into the love and belonging. And everybody needs love, no matter how hardened they are. I've met the hardest of hardened people. And underneath that, there is the need for love and belonging. And so, and, and it's proven that people who have good social networks in their later life have longer longevity. So, we have those needs and then we have the needs that are basically what you might call self-actualization. So realizing your potential as a person. And that's one of the things that this Qigong, White Tiger Qigong helps is helps you realize your full potential. What are you capable of? Like what, you know, we went to school, but they didn't teach you how to maximize your potential, except in certain areas. We need to broaden that scope and discover maybe our potential hasn't been realized because we didn't discover it yet. And so 
that's really what it it boils down to. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I just wanted everyone to understand that, you know, everyone's going through a hard time and everyone has this isolation effect where they think that they're different or something's wrong with them these days. You know, we have all these negative emotions, but okay, listen, listen to TV. He's been around so many places. He's met everyone. And actually the reality is that most of us are looking at the same thing. So, you know, you mentioned all of those, like, uh, Abraham Maslow, he configured this um, hierarchy of needs similar to what you have described in, you know, the traditional yogic system. Also, we have things like, you know, different, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different, but like the different chakras, which, you know, all relate to either the survivability or, you know, safety. And then you move to you know, moving more towards love and gratitude and affection. And then you move higher up the rank to, you know, be self-actualized and, you know, even transcend. So all of us are looking at the same thing. But what's important to know and what's important to look at is that if you have any sort of issues with the basic things, like survivability, food, shelter, you know, things like that, then maybe start there anyone who's listening start fixing those elements first rather than thinking about you know fame or thinking about you know getting you know passing those stages already because if you don't have a solid foundation then your your building or your house isn't going to be that stable but when you have a nice foundation and you like tv mentioned if you are if you are good in all of those aspects then moving up the rank or moving up the hierarchy, even in your life, it becomes much more easier. Thank you for sharing that. And so we get into, you spoke about the elements, right? The, the five elements of the nature. And now there are things like fire, earth, metal, water, wood, and all of these surprisingly, which is very, if most people might not know this, that most of these things are related to certain emotions. Like, you know, the fire is related to the, to things like joy and uh, water is related to fear and you know it also has a physical organ which is involved like the kidneys or the heart so do you have like anything that we can do today to like work on our five elements so like let's start with fire right fire is you know it, it takes our heart and it either makes us super happy or uh, not so happy. So is there a practice that we can do to enhance this fire element in our body? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So in within our Qigong system, we have five element Qigong. And this specifically works on those five elements. As you mentioned, earth, water, fire, metal, and wood. And so the different organs are related to the five elements. So the five major yin organs, and those are related with different emotions, specific emotions, and also specific kinds of movements stimulate those elements within our body and stimulate those organs. And so I recommend the five element Qigong uh, mm -hmm. for that specifically and for fire we have a movement called crane qigong which works on the heart which is related with fire and that's associated with the emotion of joy and also 
can be depression. Like, so when you feel you're always searching for more and don't feel like you have enough. So it's like excessive desire, the fire of desire that can never be quenched. And so this helps balance that by bringing you peace and contentment and feeling you have everything you need right here, right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and is there, I mean, do people have to take your course, which we'll get, uh, get to in a bit that you have all these beautiful courses on your website. Uh, do they have to do that? Or is there like a simpler way? Like if anyone who's listening, is there like maybe a basic instruction video on how to work the crane out or, you know, things like the dragon, the snake, all of these movements that you guys have. Do you have like any videos or people have to take the course to understand it? Yes. So uh, we have free videos on YouTube. Uh, we have blogs with instructions and we have free eBooks uh, on our website. So you check out White Tiger Qigong on YouTube. Uh, Q-I-G-O-N-G is Qigong. And then um, if, if you're interested to go deeper, then take a full on course, like an on, we have online courses and uh, paid eBooks. And then if you want to go deeper, we have master courses and even teacher trainings for those who want to eventually become a teacher one day. Uh, and that's it. Okay, so the beginners, if you're listening, go to whitetigerqigong.com and then look at the free ebooks. Try to get your head around things. If you're a visual learner, go on YouTube and there are links on the website. So start off there and see if you can grasp onto some of the basic things, the basic elements, and then move ahead. Now, we're almost coming to the end of the interview. And I would like to know, you. I know you don't like calling yourself a master, but I can. So if, let's say, from the time you wake up in the morning, right? How does a person like you with the knowledge of Qigong, training with the masters, living in accordance with nature, what's an, what, what's a day like in your life? Like walk me through when you wake up, like is there a speci something special that you do, including prayer, meditation, or using some sort of herbs or some devices or, you know, a mindset or philosophy that, what do you do from the time you wake up till the time you sleep? Like, is there some nuggets there that people listening can take and incorporate it in their practice? Well, what's relevant uh, to this is I wake up and I first do some breathing Qigong, uh, focusing on cleansing, cleansing breath to clean out from the night before. Uh, and then I go into, uh, I have uh, some practices that I do that are a little more advanced uh, so, and people probably wouldn't understand it if I mentioned it here, but, uh, some Qigong meditation practices that I do. And then I do a general, uh, eye Qigong and then also a Qigong massage on my face and head to stimulate me and to wake up. Uh, then I go out before I eat breakfast. I do, uh, a Qigong practice to stimulate the, the organs and to move everything and to also detoxify the body and to gain energy. And then I do a Qigong meditation. And then in, in the an evening when the sun sets, I do a sunset Qigong. And then I do Qigong to fall asleep. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so your life is all about Qigong. But is there like any special, um, like let's say food or anything else that you do, which is you know, you don't see a lot of people do and, you know, it could be helpful for someone like, 
let's say some of the biggest things that people are facing in this time is okay one is detox and then second thing is sleep deprivation or yeah. people cannot fall asleep yeah. or people get angry too fast is there like a food or something else which is like a m- much more simpler than qigong that people can take away from this conversation so this will be the last thing and then i gotta go but um okay yeah uh, so basically um i don't i'm not a nutrition expert so i'm not going to try to be one uh okay. but i will tell you that uh from the five elements we have the five colors and you should try to incorporate that in your diet as much as possible have as much as the five colors and the five tastes and you can look at that up on google and what those are because that's related to the five elements and the more of these colors and tastes you have it will stimulate different organs and also stimulate the brain in different ways so that's my two cents Thank you, right. so much. thank you so it much. It was great to be here. It was a pleasure to have you as well. I'll put all the show notes for everyone who's listening. And uh, this is CJ signing away from shipwithcj.com. Everyone have a great day. Tevya, it was great to meet you. Thank you so much. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website www.shiftwithcj.com